Amen. The blood will never lose its power. What a truth that is. And as we sing that, it should bring a smile to your face, knowing that truth and being reminded of it. And uh, this morning we, we thought that we talked about the scope of the ministry of Jesus, the power in his blood, the authority in, in him and what he did, the widest range possible. And he covers it all. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, let's get our Bibles out. Acts chapter 16 tonight. Don't stand yet. Acts chapter 16, I want to introduce you to my friend Clayton Wilkins here. He traveled all the way from Indiana this morning to be with us tonight. He's got a sales account here in Midland. We, we uh, accepted the pastorate here in October, and about a week later, he got an account in Midland, Texas. And he actually uh, came and took pictures of the church you know, just a couple weeks after we were here, and uh, been excited about him coming back. Hopefully, about once a quarter, he'll be able to be here with us. Just pray he gets more accounts, and then... Somebody makes an offer you can't refuse, you just never know what could happen here. Just joking for anybody in Indiana that might be watching, not proselyting here. All right, Acts 16 is where we're going to be. Last week we looked at a conversation of Jesus and the woman at the well. And I told you we were going to be back in our series on doctrine this week, but I lied to you. We're going to do a second part here, this, this message on true worship. And you know, last week we looked there in John chapter 4 on the question, what is true worship? And we saw Jesus speaking to this woman of Samaria who had her own ideas what worship was. And then she, then she spoke of what the Jews looked at as true worship. And Jesus told her, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, God is looking, God is seeking worship from you and from me. God is seeking worship from those that are unsaved tonight. He desires all of his creation to worship him. And we understand worship isn't a place, it's not a song, it's not a tradition. Worship is an attitude of reverence, is an awareness of God. It is a, it is a, a lifestyle at times, how we view God. You know, we worship something if it has value. And we looked at worshiping him in spirit, that is pure, holy, spiritual worship. Our spirit and, and communion with the Spirit of God. It's an offering of the soul rather than a formal offering of the body. And then in truth, you know, there's a lot of ideas on what worship looks like today, isn't there? A lot of different opinions on what true worship is. And as well-meaning as it is, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, if it's contrary to it, it's not worship. Now, where do we find what that truth is? Through the Word of God. Not worshiping how we want to or necessarily how someone else tells us to, but how God declared in his word. You know, God is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if God is expecting something from us, I said this last week, it's our best decision to choose that path, to choose that, what, he, what he is seeking from us. You know, what are we giving God? I hope as you, as, as you approach church this morning, you didn't come with that just a mindset of what can you do for me today? Or how is pastor going to preach today? Or what is it going to do for me? But I hope you came as well with an attitude of what can I give God? And as you came with that attitude that you, you, you truly desired and you truly gave it your all to give him the praise that is due his name. So let's read and stand together. Acts chapter 16. So last week we looked at true worship. And this week we are looking at the results of true worship. So Acts chapter 16, we'll begin reading there in verse 25. 
says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Lord, what a privilege it is, God, to be able to be here in, in this church building tonight. God, and worship you and sing to you. We'll sing about your blood. God, I pray that we're here aware of you, Lord, desiring to glorify you in our life in this moment. God, and, and, and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this service tonight. Be with me as I preach. Lord, help us to Lord, be encouraged tonight, Lord, as we desire to truly worship you at what can happen when we do that, Lord. Lord bless us tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul was possibly the greatest missionary to ever live. It'd be hard for us to find someone that, that God used more than he did Paul. And we look at his life, and we do see a life of true worship. We look at, we look at his life, and we can read the epistles. We see prayer after prayer reverencing God and, 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 and acknowledging who God was in his life. We can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 when he says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Galatians chapter 1, he he speaks of of, of Jesus. He says, who gave himself for our sin, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of, of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. His letter to the church of Ephesus, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And we could go through all the other epistles and find similar thoughts, similar, similar things to that. Paul had a heart of worship. But it wasn't just his heart. Paul's life was not about Paul. His life was about God. We can look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as he speaks of all the things he suffered for, for the sake of the ministry. He says that the Jews five times received I-40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I, shuff, I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often, and perils of waters, and perils of, 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 of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. If Paul's life was about Paul, he would have quit long before he got through the rest of those verses, wouldn't he? It wasn't about him. This morning, I shared with you the verse I've shared many times already in the, in the last couple months about who his life was about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this morning, he referenced verse 14 there in chapter 5. He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. 
The love that his God had for him had such a hold and such an impact on his life that it affected every action that came from him. We have a lot of evidence to point out tonight that Paul not only gave God true worship, but he lived a life of worship for God. And in this passage, as we look in Acts chapter 16, there was a demon-possessed girl who made her master's income by telling fortunes. Many people would come to her. There was much money that came to these men that owned her. And Paul and Silas are walking through town, and they come across this girl, and she repeatedly shouted at them. As, we, as we've spoken about, the demons recognized who Jesus was. They no doubt understood who, who Paul was and who was behind what he was doing. And then Paul looked at her and cast out the demon in the name of the Lord, and it caused a stir. Those owners were furious at Paul and Silas for doing that. They demanded they be punished for what they'd done. And we see Paul and Silas here in Acts chapter 16 stripped and beaten and locked up in stocks and put in prison. And many would see this happening to them and say, you know what? They've done what they, all they could do. Might need to just try to hang low or, 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 or take care of themselves. It would make many nervous. You know, many people may try to, in that position, may just take back what they did. Or they say, you know what, if you just say that you, you didn't do this in the, name, in the name of Christ, or if you apologize, or if you try to make this right, or if you promise to never do this again, we might let you out. But Paul and Silas in the prison were not apologizing. They weren't trying to cover up what they did. What did they do? They sang praises to God. They worshiped. They acknowledged who their God was, and even in a place of a prison, they still worshiped him. And there's three things that we're going to see tonight that true worship brings as we live a life of true worship. And the first one of those things is true worship brings true devotion. True devotion. Well, Paul and Silas were locked up in a maximum security prison. And in the midst of all of this, they worshiped. External circumstances cannot destroy God's peace and God's joy. We think of where they were in this, in this dungeon, in this prism situation in their life. And even in a dungeon, a Christian could find as real of happiness if they were on a throne. In a cold prison cell, beaten and bruised, they could be just as happy as if they would be in the, in the comfort of their own bed. The enemy could not destroy the peace of Paul and Silas. They may have been able to lock them up. They may have been able to stop what they were doing at that moment out and about in town. But they could not keep them from worshiping God in spirit. And they couldn't shut them out from the presence or the grace of their God. What did David say? He said, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. David recognized every day that I am living this life, every moment that I am continuing to breathe, every day, as long as I live, I will praise God. He didn't say on the good days, as long as I live, I will praise God, or as long as things are going my way, or as long as blessings come, or as long as things look good for me, I will praise God. He says, I will praise him as long as I live. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, he said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You know what what that's saying? He's acknowledging at this moment his situation in in life and his situation with, with his enemies was not so great. 
But he said, even in those moments, I will call upon the Lord. He is still worthy of my praise. Even when the enemies are coming, even when opposition is there, God is still worthy of the praise. And then he said, therefore, and later in the chapter, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will sing praises unto thy name. All around David were people that he really wasn't welcome to be around. All around David were people that may not have lined up exactly with what David believed. All around him were people that maybe wanted to stop him from acknowledging God or or stop the work that God was doing in the nation of Israel. And he said, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. Even when society doesn't look like I want it to, even when it's not all easy, I will still give thanks to God. I will still sing praise Unto his name. We are always to praise him. This life of worship that we are to be living, this worship we are to be giving that is due to God, needs to be each and every day of our life. Meaning it's not based on circumstances. Because no matter what situation that we find ourselves in tonight, no matter what trial we may be in or no matter what storm may be there, no matter what opposition may come today or tomorrow, our God is still the same. He is greater. And what we have in him is better than what we deserve. Paul and Silas were, were, were doing these things while in a cold, dark dungeon. Do do we have anybody that's had that experience before? Anybody in here? Has it happened to any of us? But many times, it has taken much less than that in your life to stop you from worshiping. There's many situations in my life, many bad days, many difficult circumstances that have come that have caused me to stop giving God the praise I need to give him. We see Paul and Silas locked up in a Roman prison, still praising. All they did is what God wanted them to do. They they were in in the perfect will of God. They were ministering to people. They were helping people. And they ran into this trial. And in that prison cell, they worshiped. They weren't in a synagogue. They weren't one of their church plants. They weren't in a spiritual building or a meeting, but they worshiped. Not just, not just the circumstances they were in and the, the place that they were in, but look at the time. What does it say there? And at midnight. It was late. Just moments before they were beaten, they were, they, they were physically hurt, they were, they were locked up in this, in this horrible position, physically and mentally. And even in that prison cell, they understood God was the same God he was just yesterday. He was the same. Their salvation hadn't changed. They had a heart of worship. We're not going to go there for time's sake, but we can look in Job 35 verse 10, and Job mentions a song in the night. All that, all that Job went through, God still was the God that would give him that song in the night, that, that song in the difficult, lonely situations of life. You know, Spurgeon on the side, he said, any fool can sing in the day. 
It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but the skillful singer is the one who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of man. You know, Job was able to have a song in the night, and when things continued to get worse for him and the night was dark, he was still able to say these words, my hope is in who? The Lord. You know, Paul and Silas had a song. And the difficulty they were in had not taken that away. But, but as we're looking at this text tonight, I want us all to ask yourself a question. What has stolen your praise? Is there something you're going through right now that is hindering you in your worship or in your praise that you need to be giving to your God? Maybe look at the last week. We, we know what we need to do day by day. We know that we should be speaking to God and praising Him. And, but maybe there is a stressful day that kind of slowed that down. Maybe there was a day where expectations you had of, of yourself or expectations you had of somebody else discouraged you to a point to where you didn't feel like praising your God. Maybe something in the family. Maybe a trial. A loss? Is there something that's taking your praise away? Maybe right now things are good. When the difficult time comes, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to respond in the shackles? Are we still going to worship him? Are we still going to praise him? Are we still able to have a song in the night? Why so many times... Does God have to wait for our best times to get what he deserves? Why, do, why, why does it have to be just a point where a blessing comes in our life or a good thing comes in our life or then we give God what is due unto him in each and every other moment of our life? A life of true worship will be a life of true devotion. But not just true devotion tonight, secondly. A life of true worship is a life of true power. I love this story. Remember, as a little boy hearing this, one of my favorites. But Paul and Silas are there locked up in the prison. They are praying and singing songs to God. And what happens as they're doing that? An earthquake came. When the doors opened, they, they, their bands were loose. You know, when true worship happens, God will open doors and God will loose bands. You know, Oliver Breed Green said on this side, he said, God's men can be locked in, but God cannot be locked out. <laughs> Turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John in this, in this passage had healed the lame man. And as they did this, just like we find Paul and Silas in this text, the, the high priests and other religious rulers put their hands on them and held them, wanting to charge them with anything that they could. And they continued to threaten them, but they had no real reason why they couldn't punish them, so they had to let them go. And as soon as that happened, they went to the other apostles and Christians, and we arrive at this verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and it says, And being let go... They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said unto them. 
And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which had made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Sounds like worship, doesn't it? Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for a truth, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word with boldness. You see, difficult circumstance. We, we see threatenings of prison if they don't stop what they're doing. We see them gathering with other Christians, worshiping God. And then God gave them everything they needed, not to move on to the next place, but to continue doing what they were doing with even more power and more boldness. They worshiped and received his power. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If we were to look there at the beginning of the chapter, we'd see the children of Moab and Ammon and Moor wanting to come against the children of Israel and to take them out. So we see Jehoshaphat, the, the leader there, with a decision to make. These people are ready to do whatever they can to wipe the Israelites out. And Jehoshaphat at this moment went straight to God. And they began to pray to God who protected them and delivered them many times before. And then we get to verse 18. And it says there, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. With his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, what? Worshiping the Lord. What's going to happen? And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high, more worship. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe as prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he anointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. They're not even fighting, they're about to sing. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold... They were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. Everyone's wiped out. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than that could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. So they had all these enemies against them. They, and instead of fleeing... 
or doing what, what, what their ancestor did many years before, just questioning why God would allow them to be in this position and be killed. They started to worship, pray to him, and started singing. Never raised a sword. And all of a sudden, the enemies started killing each other. To a point to where there was none left. They worshipped, God did the rest. You know, this enemy was before them, this, this opposition was there before them, and it looked dangerous. And no, no doubt there were many people that were wondering what was going to happen or what the outcome of this was going to be, but they just got on their knees and worshipped. And not only did God wipe their enemies out without them even raising a hand, but then they had so much bounty from, this, from, from these people that they gathered and they gathered and they gathered. He not only took out the enemies, but enemies, but he blessed them so much in return. When there is an unbeatable enemy in the way, we can look to our almighty God and worship him and trust that all things will work out for our good and for his glory. You know, looking at these two stories, we, we see great power from our God. But both of those were shown after he was worshipped. You know, a, a preacher on this thought, he said, we don't worship what should be used, and we don't use what should be worshipped. Let me say it again. So often, we don't worship what should be used, and we don't use what should be worshipped. There's so much that God has for the Christian. So much that God has for, for you and for me. So much that God wants to do in our lives, but so often we don't even take advantage of what he has for us. We don't worship him for who he is and what he wants to do or what he has done. As a Christian, if we're, if we're living a life of true worship, when obstacles come or the enemy is coming, we don't have to run and hide. We can just get on our knees and worship him and go to him. There, there, there's, there's some people here tonight that are dealing with pain, that are dealing with trials, that have questions in their life, that have uncertainties that are there. there. There may be just some of us here tonight that maybe have closed doors. Maybe there's an enemy approaching. Maybe there's some opposition. Maybe it's just a battle in the mind. In the power that was there for the children of Israel, the power that was there for the apostles, the power that was there in the Philippian prison. Is the power available to us? When we worship, God will reveal his power. So we see true worship brings true devotion, brings true power. And the last one brings true fruit. As we, as we get back to the text, we see Paul and Silas there in the jail praising God. All heard it. All the prisoners were hearing about Songs sung about God. The jailer was hearing prayers and songs being sung to God. And it was obvious that Paul and Silas were looking to someone greater. And their joy didn't come from their circumstances, but it came from something deeper. It says there in verse 25 of the text, and the prisoners heard them. What the prisoners heard made a difference in their life. Now there's an American historian named, named Roger Babson. He was once visiting the president of Argentina, and the president said to him, he said, you know, you're a student of history. And will you please tell me why South America, with 
her unlimited resources and having been settled years before North America was settled, has made slower progress in civilization and has less prosperity. And Mr. Babson threw the question back on the president by saying this. He said, Mr. President, you evidently have studied this question yourself, and I'd be interested to hear your answer to it. And the president replied, and he said, he said that the explanation, the only explanation lies in the fact that South America was settled by Spaniards who came seeking gold, while North America was settled by pilgrim fathers who came seeking God. 